Welcome to Jyotish Conversations, a weekly series presented by Pujanet, P-U-J-A dot N-E-T, your Vedic resource on the web. Each week we feature a half-hour conversation with a leading practitioner of Jyotish, Vedic Astrology. And our goal is to make this ancient knowledge interesting, understandable, and somewhat less mysterious. So here's this week's show, and thanks for listening. So this morning I'm joined by Penny Farrow, and we're going to talk about the uh, Jyotish Sampradaya. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, Ben. And um, you wanted to start with a few mantras, which I think is a great idea, so why don't you go ahead? Well, since we're talking about Sampradaya, let me just say a few words in introducing the mantra. Okay. When I thought about the fact we were going to start off, hopefully, a series of conversations about Jyotisha, I thought about the all-important first program. Uh, in the tradition, as well as in many traditions throughout the world, and in fact, intuitively, we know this as speakers, as writers, what you say first, what comes first, has a certain primacy. And this is actually formalized uh, in, the, in the Vedic tradition or the Vedic Sampradaya, and that'll be a topic, hopefully, for another day. But we're always very mindful of the first statement. And I thought about if this were the only program, if this were um, the only opportunity to say what it is I think is most important for people to know about Jyotisha, what would I say? You know, what would be my choice? And in thinking about that, I thought probably the most important thing I could say is that Jyotisha is distinguished as an astrological tradition by the fact that it isn't just an astrological tradition. <laughs> right. Uh, which may sound like you know contradictory statement, but no. It encompasses so much more because it's actually embedded in a part of a, a hugely ancient and... Um, continuous tradition. I think that's what's so remarkable about it. It's not just that it's, um, you know, that it has antiquity, but it's unbroken. And so I decided to talk about what is this unbroken tradition that uh, that Jyotish is so embedded in, and how does that uh, inform us as, as uh, teachers of Jyotisha, as practitioners of Jyotisha, or just interested students of Jyotisha. What is it about the fact that it has this history, it has this uh, preeminent place in such a long-standing, beautiful, unbroken tradition? And that's what we mean by the Vedic Sampradaya. So part of that tradition is uh, basically a tremendous respect for its source. And so in that tradition, that source and those laws of nature that represent uh, that source, that feed back to that source, are always acknowledged at the beginning of any um, session, any endeavor, um, etc. So the idea of mantra is as a way of, it's a device. You know, man means mind, and tra is a tool or a device for so mantra, quite literally, is a tool for the mind. <laughs> it's kind of a fun way to think about it. Right. Uh, but so it's a tool 
for the mind to return to, in a way, to acknowledge its source. And the source of knowledge. And the source of knowledge, absolutely. So uh, in Jyotisha particularly, but it's actually true throughout the whole tradition, the first category of nature, we could say, or law of nature, is deified, uh, is expressed as Ganapati, Ganesha. Right. And I think most people are familiar with this idea that, that Ganapati is the remover of obstacles. Mm-hmm. And that's why Ganapati is invoked at the beginning of anything. But perhaps people are less familiar with, once again, what does Ganapati actually mean? So Gana actually is uh, the Sanskrit word for category. And Pati is overruler, overlord, or lord of. So Ganapati is actually a compound word meaning lord of or ruler of categories. Categorical realities. This is such an important concept because we live in uh, a phenomenal world that has all kinds of orders of reality. And understanding the correct order of reality is extremely uh, important to align with with the laws of nature most effectively. And Jyotisha, nothing else, is about understanding categories, understanding categorical realities and how to align with them and if they're out of alignment. So Ganapati is is kind of like the patron saint, we could say, of Jyotisha. Oh, sure. Because it's so important for us to understand correctly the, the correct categorization of everything. You know, every planet, every graha, as a category, and you bother all the components. Right. So Ganapati then is invoked for that reason by Jyotishis, and in fact, on a chart, normally there is some representative uh, symbol, even if it's just the own symbol representing um, that essential category of nature that is Ganapati. Now, but is, that, also, is, that, is that true in... They're, they're in, in Jyotish, there are different styles of charts. So mm-hmm. the northern style looking uh, somewhat like a diamond, the southern style looking like, you know, four rows of, of squares. Um, so would I call it the Monopoly set. Monopoly style chart. So, so it would be that, that recognition of the divine or that you know, just a little reminder, it would be just the Om, or is there something else that, that is added traditionally to the to the chart? It really depends. You know, if you look at the um, Janga Patrikas uh, from um, India, uh-huh. they can be very elaborate, mm. and it could have beautiful uh, representations of Ganapati and other deities, or it could be very simple, just the Om symbol, or maybe the Bij for um, uh-huh. Ganapati. But normally, if you look at a traditionally prepared uh, Indian chart, there is a representation of Ganapati. That's very nice. I did not know that. Yeah, for all these reasons. For all these reasons. Also, yeah, one other uh, little fact before we acknowledge Ganapati in the mantra is that um, Ganapati also stands for logic and calculation. So that's another one of the, the... categories under Ganapati's portfolio, so to speak. And obviously, Jyotisha is very much dependent on uh, correct calculation, uh, correct uh, 
uh, way of putting things together. So for all those reasons, Ganapati first. Right. So we could do, um, I was taught by my teacher basically three um, mantras, and he called them public domain mantras <laughs> in the sense that um, anybody can uh, chant them. You know, they, uh, you know, they don't backfire, even if your pronunciation is imperfect. And they're done in the Gayatri meter, and I know you're very familiar with these. And some parts of India have a little bit different, you know, up and down tones on them. Um, I was taught in a particular style, so that's the style I'll do it. So this is the Gayatri Mantra for Ganapati. And I'll do it three times. Omi Gdantaya Vidmahe Vakutundaya Dhimahi Tanmudante Prachodaya Omi Gdantaya Vidmahe Vakutundaya Dhimahi Tanmudante Prachodaya Omi Gdantaya Vidmahe Vakutundaya Dhimahi Tanmudante Prachodaya The next deity that it's very traditional to uh, invoke for a discussion on Jyotisha and many sacred subjects is Saraswati. Saraswati is pictured with a vina or kind of a lute instrument uh, across her lap, but also in one of the hands, <laughs> several hands in her depictions, is Veda. Mm-hmm. And that's the hand that that's uh, that faces you, and Veda. Well, we'll talk a bit about Veda, but let's just think of it now in terms of subtle knowledge, sacred knowledge. Right. And Saraswati's portfolio is communication, among other things, certainly the arts, but she is actually the way to communicate sacred tradition. And also, very uh, close to the heart of Jyotishis and basically anyone, is Vak Siddhi. Vak meaning um, speech and Siddhi meaning perfection. So basically, the ability to speak the truth, the sweet truth. And that's such a gift if you're embarking on um, advising, you know, telling someone their Patterns. You want to get it right, and you want to speak it in a way that's helpful. I think also. So, I think also that um, uh, it, it is sort of the, the whole Vedic tradition is is based on the, the the tradition of the Rishi, who is a seer. And I think that the other blessing of Saraswati is the ability to see the truth. Yes. And, and I think one of the experiences that. Um, I find most memorable when I'm looking at a person's chart is that, um, you know, with with these 12 squares and 9 planets and 12 signs, um, you, you can see the person's life uh, before you in a, in a sense, in a symbolic sense. But that, that insight, there's, there is a, an experience that I think all, all good Jyotishis have, that they realize that this knowledge is a form of grace. It's a form of, um, of of revelation in a sense, in a subtle sense, perhaps. Um, but the source of that um, ability to, to see the truth as well as to speak it, um, I think, is, is the other side of uh, uh, Saraswati's blessing. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, a little later, we'll talk about Jyotisha as Vidya. And sure. that concept of Vidya uh, apps takes into account these two sides, so to speak, of, uh, of Jyotisha, which is revelation and, and that instantaneous knowingness, as well as the cultivation of principles. Right. And Saraswati totally stands for uh, that process the translation of revelation uh, into um, uh, a transmission sure. of knowledge. Right. So a beautiful point. So Saraswati's Gayatri Mantra goes like this. Om Vagdivecha Vitmahe Kamukdaya Dhimahi Tanyo Devi Prachodaya Om Vagdhyecha Vitmahe Kampadayati Mahi Tamu Devi Prachodayat Om Vagdhyecha Vitmahe Kampadayati Mahi Tamu Devi Prachodayat And then the other Gayatri Mantra that uh, I was taught, and, and these um, were to be recited before reading, before studying, just as a way, again, of aligning. That's what mantra is about, right. tool for the mind to align, uh, is to Surya. Surya is the sun, Sanskrit name for the sun. And very obviously, no Surya, no Jyotisha, no solar system. <laughs> right. And also, of course, Surya is, is light. And uh, in... Um, in Jyotisha, stands for uh, illumination of all kinds and the, and the Atma, the soul principle. Right. So the, the Gayatri Mantra Surya, Om Prabhakaraya Vidmahe Divakaraya Dhimahe Tamna Surya Prachodayat Om Prabhakaraya Vidmahe Divakaraya Dhimahe Tamna Surya Prachodayat Om Prabhakaraya Vitmahe Divakaraya Dhimahe Tamna Surya Prachodaya. And then a short mantra to the nine Garahas, who along with, well, Surya is included actually, and we'll discuss at a later time the difference between Graha and planet. Oh, ah, yes, good idea. In Jyotisha, we use the word graha, very distinct from planet. So there are nine in this, uh, in this Jyotisha uh, tradition. And here's a little um, mantra, short mantra, to all nine. Om Adityadi Navagraha Divata Bhyo Namo Namaha Om Shanti 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 So one very great teacher that you and I studied with always used the phrase, well begun is half done. <laughs> <laughs> so this is another um, reason for chanting. It's a way of assuring that you're well begun. Part of this tradition not only is to um, ask for, to align to these categories, these laws of nature that we give a form to, but also to acknowledge the teacher. It's very important in this tradition. When I work with um, my Indian clients, first thing they ask me is, who is your teacher? Who is right. your guru? Right. 
And when I say, then the next thing is, and who is his teacher or her teacher? And that's exactly why I'm going to talk about Sampradaya today. So this subject has been very wonderfully and preciously transmitted to me by my teacher. And so I would very much like to acknowledge Hart Defoe and his guru, Krishnamantri. Um, Hart had the great blessing of studying very traditionally one-on-one with his teacher for many years, 15 more or more years, and represents this wonderful blend of someone who studied very traditionally with a very brilliant Western mind. And so uh, I feel I got kind of that double hit, that double blessing of his organizing ability, and yet so much of the shakti, so much of the power uh, absolutely intact through that transmission. So what is... Well, let me, let me interrupt you just for a moment sure. there, just, just to remark on, on uh, how that makes you in, in some ways um, a little bit unique, because I think there certainly is an explosion of interest in Jyotish, but most people, like myself, study with a variety of teachers. Uh, we rely a lot on, on books. Um, I think that um, the Internet has been a wonderful blessing because it provides a way of communicating with others and through various forums uh, to discuss Jyotish. But um, I, I, you know, I, I think we're all uh, doing the best we can uh, you know, under the circumstances at this point in history. Um, but, I, but I do think that the advantages of having you know, what I would say is a classically trained teacher and then being able to study um, this knowledge, this vidya, in a structured way is immensely powerful and, and beneficial. And I, I hope that as time goes on and the value of Jyotisha and, and certainly the value of Sampradaya becomes more present and a part of our culture, that um, you know the, the, the training of new Jyotishis takes on that kind of structure, I think we'd all be the better for it. Absolutely, and, and of course, that's a, um, <laughs> that's a hot topic. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just got back from uh, the UAC conference, um, the United Astrology Conference in Denver, right. where there were 1,500, 1,500 oh, astrologers or students of or interested parties, and for the first time, um, a Vedic track was offered which was jammed, by the way. Uh-huh. But we did have a roundtable discussion talking about exactly this, our, our concerns for how uh, Jyotish is being taught. And, of course, I kind of represent the conservative flank, right. the traditional flank. And these are questions, then, uh, in terms of exactly this, my topic today as Sampradaya. And what is that? What is that really? What is it that we're talking about? So just let's just break down the word, um, sampradaya. So sam is a, is a prefix, an upasarga, which means gathering together. Pra means something good or complete or, or pure or intense, we could say. And daya means gift. So sampradaya is really a coming together. <laughs> And that coming together also implies um, 
in, in a moment, you know, uh, live, live. People coming together in, a, in an oral tradition. Right. To bestow a complete or good or intense gift. Right. Often you hear some pradaya translated as um, tradition. So, you know, we have a tradition every uh, January in the U.S. It's called the Super Bowl. <laughs> example, my teacher Hart loves to, loves to give. Is that a sampradaya? No. <laughs> Obviously, it's not sampradaya. <laughs> so the implication is it's a tradition that involves something um, transcendental or ennobling. We could even say, and this might be even closer to it, that a sampradaya contains at its center a bindu, a, a point, um, a truth that cannot be displaced. Now, that's a dangerous statement. And, you know, lots of people get their backs up at that. But that really is the, the, the core of this, that it contains uh, an, in, an undisplaceable truth. So the Vedic Sampradaya is organized around the um, idea that essence or Atma is the all-pervading business. And that is the truth that cannot be displaced. And of course the whole uh, Darshana of Vedanta uh, goes about proving this through, um, through words you know, through uh, discourse, and all the volumes uh, of cognitions and uh, and then the commentaries are all around this particular subject. So the idea is that Jyotisha is rooted in, based in, this very Vedic tradition that has at its core this undisplaceable truth, this transcendental value. And so at the very beginning of considering what is Jyotisha, it's so important to understand that it sits uh, as the eyes of the Veda to illumine all the ways in which Veda, all the timings in which Veda brings out the orders of reality uh, around and uh, describing and aligning to uh, this basic truth. So it's a much more uh, exalted view of the role of Jyotisha or what Jyotisha really is. And, well, and, and, we, and we think of Jyotisha as, as uh, really, when we think of Jyotisha, it is as a subset of what it really is. It is more than just figuring out what is going to happen to me. Exactly, exactly. It's really more the idea, uh, or, or you could say the, the higher octave of Jyotisha is how do I align to what is? Right. And so Jyotisha becomes an alignment technique for the Vedic Sampradaya. And so we want to think of it in that way too. Now that does that mean that, you know, we can't use Jyotisha in all the other orders of reality? Remember I started out talking about orders of reality. And Jyotisha itself has orders of reality in which it operates. 
and all of them have a value. Right. You know, just as the order of reality of our of our uh, skin has a value, the order of reality of what is the subcutaneous level of the skin has a reality. So this is how nature operates. It operates on all these orders of reality that have ultimately um, an ultimate truth at its essence. And that's what this whole tradition uh, is geared towards um, unfolding. And as that unfolds, all the orders of reality are important. We have to live life in time and space. Even if we say Atma is beyond time and space, that's not true of our body. Our body lives in time and space. Jyotish teaches us or helps us align to what is with respect to our body. We need to interact with other people in that time and space. Even if everyone is Atma, I'm Atma, you're Atma, you're still Ben. Yes, exactly. You may be a father. You may be, you are a son to someone. So we have all these different roles, and all of those roles have their orders of reality. And Jyotish again helps to illuminate and align us. But ultimately, ultimately, because it's part of this Vedic tradition, because it is revealed knowledge, Arsha Vidya, Arsha is a derivative of Rishi. It's a real manipulation in Sanskrit that changes uh-huh. Rishi to Arsha. But it's considered Arsha Vidya. It is part of this tradition. And because of that, its central core is the same central core of the Vedic tradition, which is to align to the ultimate reality. Now, is, is Jyotish, uh, <clears throat> Jyotisha as a, a Vedanga, a limb of the Vedas, Mm-hmm. Is it considered to be Shruti, that which is heard, or Smriti, that which is remembered? It actually isn't Shruti. The Vedangas are not. Okay. You can think of them, uh, uh, once again, Hart had this lovely, lovely example. You can think of the four Vedas, and we don't need to get into huge detail on this, but think of them as four beautiful buildings in a courtyard. Right. Okay. And then uh, they all have a little kind of conservatory or outbuilding, which are the Upavedas. And those contain things like uh, the Gandharva Veda, the m- music and dance, uh, Ayurveda, uh, the medicine and health, and uh, Arta Veda, which is statecraft, and Dhanur Veda, which is um, military matters. So they form like little conservatories off the four buildings, each of them. But the Vedangas, you, Vedanga literally means limb of Veda. It's also one of these compounds. Sanskrit right. loves to compounds, kind of stick to the words together, and then right. it winds up the whole, yeah? And so the limbs of the Vedas, we can think of them as the scaffolding on these buildings. And then you're ready to patch up any little crack or any little issue or any little problem. So they are actually means of recreating um, what might become a deterioration in the in the um, in the contents of Veda as it gets passed on. And so uh, things like uh, vyakarana, which is uh, grammar. So if there's some imperfection in understanding, then the vyakarana pundits discuss that point and patch up that little point you know, as it gets transmitted. Uh-huh. Or etymology, nirukna. Um, 
So there are six of these Vedangas, the actual meter, the uh, chani of the Veda, the actual uh, breath and ups and downs, shiksha. Kalpa, the actual um, way you do the ritual. Kalpa uh, represents the hands of the Vedas, so the actual intricacies of the ritual. So these, there are experts that the scaffolding to make sure that the revealed knowledge of Veda stays intact. And then Jyotisha is considered the eyes, as I mentioned, of Veda. And it is a Vedanga, as important as grammar, as important as etymology, as Kalpa, the ritual itself, as the meter. That's very... Um, yeah, that's neat. a high standing. That's important totally. stuff. Yeah. Totally. And so, and so again, through time, this grandeur of what Jyotisha really is in this tradition gets kind of boiled down to, you know, what color car am I going to have? You know, and, and it's nice to know what color car you're going to have, but it's also nice to understand that it's so much more. So we could think of it in terms of its function. One of its um, most important functions is in terms of time, timing. Right. And the Veda itself, huge bulk of Veda, maybe 80%, 85%, is involved with elaborate um, uh, rituals to help people not understand Atma, but to align with uh, the laws of nature so that their lives in the relative flow. Well, I think this is, this is where I think of, of Jyotisha as being the diagnosis, and, yeah. yag, and Yagya, these rituals, as being the treatment. Exactly. And, and over the past ten years of working with on Pujanet and focusing on, on, on Yagyas, um, it, what, what ama- continues to amaze me is how you can look at a person's chart, and you can, you can in a sense, see how they are developing as an individual from a spiritual perspective. And, you know, sometimes, um, you know, that evolution takes place in a pleasant way, that in a way doors open and, and, and they, their life expands. And in some ways it happens that, you know, they need to, you know, their, their life contracts, um, usually under the gaze of our friend Saturn. Um, <laughs> poor Saturn. Right, poor Saturn. <laughs> he gets no respect, but yeah, you'd be grumpy too. If <laughs> but 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 through those alternating steps, if you will, um, uh, you know, you can the, the person evolves. And there are some people in the Pujanet program that have been participating in the yagyas and and continuing with their own spiritual practices, whether it's meditation or mantra japa or personal puja every day. And what I see as being somewhat of a semi-objective observer is tremendous balance and protection. Um, and in the, in the, you know, our life here on Earth, I, I think of as, uh, uh, you know, karma as being the great teacher. That, you know, we're here going to school in a way um, to uncover the ultimate reality, to perceive that through having a series of experiences that are contained in sort of seed form in a person's chart. And through the, through the use of yagyas, we sort of um, lubricate that process. We make it smoother, we make it easier. The good times are better and the bad times are easier to, uh, to, to persevere through. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, this is a rich, rich topic that 
I hope we'll be getting into quite a lot, which is what I like to call the, you know, the Vedic toolbox. Right. So, right. you know, when Jyotishis, you know, uh, read charts, like the doctor has their medicine bag, yeah. uh, Jyotishis have their toolbox. And certainly, uh, Yagya, Mantra, Japa, meditation are wonderful tools. But then there's the whole, you know, um, members of the human race that for whatever reason, you know, it's not their predilection. And there's many, many, many ways of alignment. Oh, yes, definitely. Many ways of alignment. So that'll be a lot of fun to kind of discuss ways we can, uh, well, it's, it's only limited by the creativity of the, of the reader. Right. Uh, and often a person's chart will inform you as to what will work best for them in terms of, uh, of remedies. And that's a, that's a beautiful subject. But what are the, what are the remedies? What are the yagyas? They're all means of alignment. Right. Means of alignment to whatever order of reality that person is operating on or whatever order of reality happens to be stuck at the moment. And, uh, yeah, so, and, and often, this is another term I want to uh, bring in that I'll discuss a whole lot more um, later, often the person is not aware of the fact that there is, um, let's call it a reason for what's happening to them, a reason for that obstacle. That is hidden from them. It's not seen. It's adrishta. And this concept of that which is not seen, adrishta, is also central to the Vedic Sampradaya because in reality, atma is the ultimate ultimate adrishta because it's it has no categories it can't be perceived or described by the senses right and often in this tradition uh, the idea of sight stands for all five senses so when when um, someone would say that atma is adrishta can't be seen they mean touched felt tasted etc heard Categoryless, attributeless, we could say. So that's the ultimate reality. But even so, there are, like orders of reality, there are orders of adrishta. And part of what can't be seen by you and I, perhaps, is, you know, what's in our backpack that we brought into this life. Uh, but it can be seen by Jyotishis. So that's another topic. But coming back to uh, well, it, it is. Let me just say. Let me just say. I mean, you're right. It, it's it's that's a great topic. Oh yeah. Yeah. Juicy, um, juicy. But how many times, as a, as a Jyotishi, uh, someone calls and you take a look at their chart and you can identify when a difficult uh, part of their life began. And I think the one of the great blessings is that you can point out to them, you know, that there is a structure to life, and indeed. That the tough times will end, and you can pinpoint that as well. And so, make, taking that which is unseen and making it seen, or, see, or, or or structured, or comprehensible to a person, is a is a, a you know one of the greatest blessings of uh, of Jyotisha, I think. Absolutely, and that's why it's also said that Jyotisha is Darpana, the mirror. Mm. So you know, basically. Reading a chart is like allowing someone to look into the mirror of their own reality. 
And again, another topic, <laughs> another day. The yeah, word, I can the see word, that we're going to have a good time. <laughs> the word for that is DARPANA? DARPANA. D-A-R-P-A-N-A? Yeah. Ah, wonderful. I, I haven't known that word before. That's great. Okay, so uh, I wanted to talk a little bit, though, about the structure of Sampradaya. Great. And uh, basically the idea of this coming together to bestow a gift. If you give a gift, it implies a, a couple of things. That you have the gift to give. It's one of the things it implies. And that the student who receives the gift or the or the or the recipient of the gift needs to get the right gift something suitable and in the context of this tradition the gift is this uh, core of knowledge of sacred knowledge in the case of uh, of a sampradaya and the one who is qualified to give that gift is the one who owns it and that's represented in the Indian tradition by the guru. The guru is the one who, who is the sampradaya. So this is the, this is the, the majesty of it. The sampradaya is vested in guru, or the guru principle, in any way we want to understand that. And then the guru searches for, works with various levels of students cultivating them. So, you know, when you had talked about the Saraswati principle as um, jumping that gap between principles and, and a flash of insight and understanding, right. this is the job of the transmission of a sampradaya. It isn't just a transmission of principles. This is why it's sacred. Because something else happens in that transmission, which is the cultivation of knowledge, of viveka, of discrimination, of nyat, of all-knowingness, that comes along with this. That's also the gift, because that, in a sense, is unseen. And that, in a sense, is the ultimate gift or truth, is that ability to operate on that finest level of knowingness, which is very close now to that ultimate source or essence. And so part of Sampradaya is this idea of transmission. And frankly, Ben, you know, this is what concerns not just me, but, you know, the, the, the me that represents how I've been taught, how this has always been taught, that lacking live transmission, even lacking seeing, who you're transmitting to. There's so much that comes through the eyes. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, there, is, there isn't that shakti that goes along with it, that final kind of peace that makes the difference between um, inspiration as you're reading a chart and, you know, and, and being helpful. And there's nothing wrong with being helpful. I'm not dissing this. I'm just trying to expand this whole idea out so that people really understand the majesty of what it is. And then, you know, maybe we have to accept a more limited version, but I think in accepting a more limited version, we have to know that it is a more limited version. It's kind of the, the tendency in the, in the West 
when there's something, an elaborate subject, like Jyotisha is so elaborate, uh, is to create a model. I have scientific training. I have a master's degree in genetics. So, you know, this is a very familiar way of learning to me. Is you take something and you simplify it into a model so that you can understand it better. Problem comes when you mistake the model for the reality, for the more elaborate, and then you lose quite a lot. And so, you know, one of the reasons I'm very excited about, you know, uh, this opportunity is to try to just push that envelope, you know, make it a bigger and bigger and bigger and infinite um, vision of how grand this tradition is and how much Jyotish represents it fully. And so we don't get into, you know, today is Tuesday and the sun is in this particular day and this is what the New York Post says about how my day will go. (laughs) (laughs) That is not Jyotish. No, that's, so, enter, that's entertainment. That's entertainment. Nothing wrong with entertainment, right. but in the in the face of the of what it is I'm trying to lay out as some pradaya, it does fall a little short of the mark, just a little bit. <laughs> well, it is a it is a problem though because we are you know here in Kali Yuga, and yes. uh, knowledge is scarce. Um, yes. And I think I think it, I think one has to be somewhat flexible at the same time and say. As you as as you said a moment ago, it's okay to be helpful, but I think it, and and um, it's actually good to be helpful. <laughs> yes, it is. And, and those of us who have not learned in a in a traditional way, um, the way you have, um, um, like myself, um, I've studied with a variety of teachers, and I have you know a couple bookcases full of books and a lot of practice. Um, but I'm also aware. That um, uh, very very much aware that uh, there are gaps in my knowledge, and that if I had access to a teacher that represented a sampradaya, that I would be a much much better astrologer. But as a practical matter, that doesn't seem to be happening. Right. And and um, so perhaps we are at the beginning of a you know a wave of you know, reestablishing the value and the presence of some pradaya, but it's a um, it's a big it's a big task, and I think it requires a uh, a vision that 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 sees many many years or 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 generations before that more idealized way of of working with this knowledge is possible. Right, right, and I think that. You know, part of my motivation in talking about this is because, you know, somewhere, somehow out there in your listeners, there may be someone who has that opportunity. Um, there may be someone who actually has the gift and may be more inspired to, you know, to take it on, so to speak. Yeah. And I just want to keep the, 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 uh, the horizons open and, and have people understand exactly this, that Often what we're working with is the model rather than the, the elaborated uh, wholeness. Absolutely. And also there are tools. I mean, one of the reasons I'm doing this is for people who don't have this opportunity, trying to provide that opportunity in some little, very little way 
you know, in whatever in whatever way I can through media like this, both through inspiration and just some guidance sure. in uh, in how to go about learning more authentically, even if you don't have this benefit of direct transmission all those years with a bona fide guru. There's still choices that can be made. And I think I wanted to, um, you know, just get that out there, you know, that there are ways of thinking about this um, that can bring to the uh, aspiring student or even just the casual person interested uh, a, a broader vision, a grander vision, a higher standard. Oh, yes. Well, it always pays to know what the ideal is. Um, yes. Because Jyotish could be and should be much more than what it is uh, in the world today. Um, even in even in India, um, it, it's not um, uh, it's not what it should be. Um, I think even even there, um, you know, it's become more commercialized and 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 less a value of knowledge than than what um, uh, what it deserves to be. I think. Yes, and and also more hybridized, uh-huh. and that that's another whole topic too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a lot of topics man. Sounds like, well that's <laughs> right so we need to bring this topic to a conclusion um, do you have any uh, uh, any final words on, on on the whole value of Sampradaya and, and Jyotisha well the, the yes, uh, yes I, I would like to kind of make a concluding statement in, okay. in that sense and that is that I think it's it's um, an inspiration to us to think of um, of this ideal of transmitting something that has been transmitted for thousands of years, you know, literally thousands of years. And you know, when I get into a classroom and you know recite um, you know the, the traditional student teacher prayer, and I'm reminded that for five thousand years it's been done like this. Yeah. Uh, to to put yourself into that mainstream, you know that that torrent that has propelled this knowledge in this unbroken way, you know into even Kali Yuga, <laughs> right. uh, and what in whatever way we can align with that and uh, and understand the the purity that comes with that kind of transmission. However, we can affect that in our lives. It's a big blessing. Absolutely. 